Hoopball Podcast listeners. Are you a fantasy expert and want to write or podcast for Hoopball? Do you have aspirations of covering a team? Are you a master of sales and want to earn some cash on the phones? Well, we've got good news. Hoopball's recruiting. If you think you have what it takes, hit us up at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or by emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Again, that's at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Hey, Jen, we know the NBA playoffs are going on and the NFL is about to get going, which means you need my bookie. My bookie has up to the minute odds on all your favorite teams. And with the start of the NFL season right around the corner, there's never been a better time to start playing. With my bookie, it's easy. You bet, you win, they pay. They even got some odds going on in Major League Baseball right now. As a matter of fact, if you join today, my bookie will match your deposit 100% plus. They'll toss you a free $10 MLB future wager. All you got to do is enter the promo code HOOPBALL when signing up. That's it. Remember, the terms are simple. Doesn't matter if it's Major League Baseball. Doesn't matter if it's the NBA playoffs. Doesn't matter if it's the NFL. My bookie makes it easy. You bet, you win, they pay. And we are back after a week away. Damian Barling along with Jill Adge here on the Sacramento Kings podcast presented by HoopBall and the HoopBall Podcast Network. Jill, how are you? Good. How are you doing? Fantastic. <laughs> Happy to see you. We took yep. last week off for what I feel like are obvious reasons. I mean, yeah. could have gone on here and been silly about the Sacramento Kings and all of their dysfunction, but Given what was going on, for those who don't know, we try to drop these podcasts on Wednesday. If you don't recall, it was Wednesday that the Milwaukee Bucks uh, boycotted their game against the Orlando Magic, and then everything that followed followed, and it was time to step away from sports for a little while. So we are happy to be back here with you to discuss more King silliness and be full disclosure. It's not like there's a ton of news to talk about. We had Jason Jones on with uh, myself and Kenny Carraway over on ESPN 1320 today. And he's like, this is a long game. This is going to be a while. Like there's not any breaking news here as it pertains to the Sacramento Kings GM search, but we will discuss some potential candidates today, but we'll start with this, Jill. Uh, as we're recording this, we're coming off the heels of that phenomenal series between the Denver Nuggets and the Utah Jazz and that incredible game seven. And somehow Kings fans got caught in the crossfire as that game came to its conclusion, the Denver Nuggets become the 12th team in the NBA to come back from a 3-1 deficit. But Sacramento Kings fans noticed a particular tweet from one Rudy Gay who said, you know, should have been the Kings. It's like, oh, oh, Rudy Gay is like the nicest guy in the league. So I was like, oh, that yep. sucks. He's right. but that's uh, And then, oh, wait a minute. There's DeMarcus. Oh, DeMarcus chimes in. Oh, look it. Isaiah Thomas, three guys who averaged 20-plus points for the Sacramento Kings and managed to get us nowhere. Uh, that was an unexpected kick in the gut following a fantastic game. Yeah. Um, and it's actually kind of funny that he did that because in the last couple of weeks, too, I had seen a couple different people put polls up there like um, – what do you think the biggest mistake has been like, you know, in the essentially since Vivek has, has taken over um, 
was it letting uh, Malone go or was it not drafting Luca? And it was interesting seeing um, the percentages there because most people figure, well, if Malone's here, mm-hmm. like a lot of these players, you assume that you're not even in the running for Luca. You're, you know, well on your way and and out of the the playoff, you know, dump. Um, as we've been, but it's kind of interesting looking, um, looking at that, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of been part of my issue that I've been saying as well is why I want to get out of the whole advisor, like, you know, let's keep doing these musical chairs because those are the kind of moves that were made when that stuff was going on. Right. You know, I mean, it was talking about having Mullen, you know, come and be the coach. And then when that didn't happen, him and Mitch went and, you know, started coaching um, in New York at St. John. So it was like, you know, you just saw these things. And part of the reason why I wanted to get out of that hole, let's move. Yeah, let's move the advisor over and who's going to be in the air next. And um, but yeah, and and Rudy's kind of gotten where a lot of fans have, you know, given him a credit because he stayed, he stayed professional through it all. And yeah, we have the, you know, the Sacramento Hill comments, but I mean, it, it was, and, and he was kind of duped as you can get where you traded for this guy to a small market where he never would have signed if he was a free agent. He was, he finally started playing, you know, really good basketball again. You were seeing it on the court between three guys averaging 20 plus points. They were winning. Your guy goes down with meningitis and, and that's, and that's when it happens. But there were also, I'd mentioned this, I think on the first show we did where that was part of the time when Gentry had turned down the assistant lead position because he knew that was going to happen during the year. And the first chance it got, which was no fault to his own. It was, you know, your star player at the time having, you know, a medical, a medical injury, but they used any excuse they could. And it started the jazz band revolving door. Um, but Rudy, Rudy signed that extension and it was no, you know, within a couple of weeks, it was, you know, we're going to, drop kick everything <laughs> that yeah. we had had put together and that's I think that's kind of the most frustrating thing too is they actually put together a team and a coach a staff like they had it and they blew it up for absolutely no reason like there was no legitimate basketball reason to blow it up besides egos going at it like mm-hmm. there was no it wasn't you know an x and o's issue um, and we haven't been able to recover since. <laughs> like, no. It's just, it's one um, of the, so to, see, to see them talking about it. It was just what well, I had said. Yeah. You're still taking L's in the playoffs that you're not even in. Like, I mean, it was, you know, just another reminder for, for us, you know, fans, like just. Lack of foresight from this organization over the years has been incredibly frustrating. Along, I mean, granted, being a fan of this organization, this team has been incredibly frustrating over the years, period. But when you, you know, start to piece different things together, like, oh, wow, like this coach would have been really good with this player. Or this player would have been really good with this coach. And you start going to do it. And it's like, correct me if I'm wrong, Mike Malone, I was Vivek's first hire. Like, that was all, you know, after, yay, save the Kings, we're all happy. 
So I feel like Vivek, I feel like for the, the, the Kings were like Vivek's new toy. And he's like, I want one of everything. Give me an assistant to this guy and an advisor to this guy. And then, you know, give me the guy and then the assistant to the guy and the advisor to the guy. And then if you were in Golden State, come here. And if you've ever been anywhere that looks remotely good, come here, be with us. And I'm going to give you all jobs. I'm going to give you titles. It was, it's like, this was a high stakes version of Entourage. Yep. Like I'm going to, I got Turtle and then I got, you know, all of these different people. I just, uh, we've, we've got it. We've got drama and we're, we're building this, this, this crew here. And ultimately they don't do anything. <laughs> like it doesn't function right. together. They don't function as a unit. They function as an absolute mess. And it's, Oh, it was, it was not, it was so unexpected. It was like, man, what a series. Jamal Murray, Donovan Mitchell. Hey, Rudy Gay tweeted. Oh, Rudy Gay. Yeah. Yep. Didn't have to bring that up, but sure. Oh, look. Okay. There are the other two 20 point scores. And that's still the thing you go back and look at. Everybody like drools over, you know, Dave Yeager's 40 something game, 50 something game stretch where they, where they were playing decent basketball. But I still can't wrap my brain around the DeMarcus. Isaiah Root, like, how did that not work to a greater degree? Like, what were the other things that were going wrong that that allowed that team to not be not just more successful? I think it's fair to ask, like, why wasn't it significantly more successful? I mean, you got three 20-point scorers on your roster. Yeah. Well, and, and you saw at the beginning of that season, you know, the, the record, what, I mean, it was, they were playing over 500 basketball. And then as soon as that went down, um, as soon as the firing went down, they were shocked. And then yeah. reading the, the articles afterwards, they were saying how it reminds uh, how different mindset their basketball team was. And, and I'll go back to the, where we talked about before the mindset that Shumpert had with this team and how mm -hmm. when he was gone, you could just see it's a different Swagless. look on the face. And yeah. the swag was gone. Like it was the same kind of thing where when, I mean, and you know, people talk about DeMarcus being a hothead and all that stuff and that's fine, but he had no issues under Malone like he was playing his best basketball was not getting in trouble like which is what everybody said he always needed and you finally gave that and you pulled the rug out again like it, it was just um and I think there was a lot of you know bitterness there and it just created uh, it started that toxic you know um environment there was no trust I mean you had guys signing extension deals sold um, you know, on, on a reality that was not, ended up not being in the picture a week later, yeah. um, you know, and it's sports that can happen, but a week later, like, I mean, that's, you know, you, you knew selling that it was BS at that point. Right. Exactly. <laughs> the thought to, the, the thought to fire Mike Malone didn't enter your head the day you fired Mike Malone. And it was probably in their head the day that you were negotiating contract extensions and all of that. So, <laughs> or when uh, they were talking about gentry, <laughs> I mean, it's like, right. We, we could hear that, you know, not even on the team. Like, so I, I can only imagine the players would have heard similar things and that they would, that would have been a topic of discussion while he's signing the extension and, Oh, and I'm sure it was, Oh, you know, no, no. Like we're happy. Like we're good. Look at our record. Like mm -hmm. we're great. And then, 
meningitis is. We're fully functional now. Like we're a normal basketball team. We are not dysfunctional anymore. Look, we've got new ownership. Joe and Gavin are gone. New arena. All of this great stuff. We're good. Don't worry about it. Obviously. uh, Instead, we're going to get rid of Sharif. We're going to get rid of uh, Malone. We're going to, I mean, it was, it was a whole, yeah. Yeah. And it's almost like, man, those were the good old days. Because at least, at least we, at least we had, you know, I, I, I don't know. It, uh, they all kind of run together here at some yeah. point, and but, I guess. Yeah, and you can see so, like we said, you can see so many similarities, you know, with each new regime as it starts, mm-hmm. and you start seeing that same cycle and again, and it's like, please jump off this Ferris yeah. wheel, like, yeah. get out of this cycle. Well, that's how I felt when they traded to Marcus. And it wasn't that they traded DeMarcus. It was that they like secretly did it with New Orleans. It was just like. Yes. And you had teams like Boston come out and say, like, we would have offered more, but you told us like a day or two before he was not available, which makes you think then Vivek had sway. And it was like, as soon as he heard, buddy, which I mean, but that's why I want a GM who knows what they're doing and and is doing it himself with no outside, you know, like factors, but it, you can't just take the first, you know, trade that's offered then at that point, like, but, it, but, the, but that's not the we thing. Had a better deal two days ago. Like, it, that's the thing though. It wasn't even the, it, it wasn't the shop around. It wasn't even taking the trade that they targeted. Like think about this now. Yeah. In hindsight, you go look at this DeMarcus's injuries. You can pick this apart however you want to. But the fact is, you had DeMarcus Cousins, who was an Olympian, and you targeted a sixth man. You targeted, like, your target was Buddy Heald. So you say, which is why the whole thing about trading DeMarcus Cousins has always made me laugh. Like, the, 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 the bullshit that the talking <laughs> heads of this organization had spit for so long, headed by the people who work at that other radio station, have always, or a particular guy who used to work at the radio station, always made me laugh. This is Vlade's first big move as the general manager. It is now his team. Kiss my ass. You didn't trade. You didn't trade DeMarcus Cousins without Vivek Ranadive telling you to trade DeMarcus Cousins. You went to Mark Stein. You confirmed a James Ham report. You told any and everybody who would listen, we are keeping DeMarcus Cousins. Danny Ainge's like, I've been trying to get a hold of this team for a month. All of a sudden, they send him to New Orleans for Buddy Heald? Yep. I'm Danny freaking Ainge. Do you know how many draft picks I got? I could have sewn up your draft for the next three years to get DeMarcus Cousins, but we can't get a hold of your general manager. I always loved the narrative that this was Vlade's first big move when it clearly was not his move at all. It was Vivek Ranadive saying, Get DeMarcus out of here for whatever reason, whether it was the middle finger to someone in L.A. or, or I, I don't rem- I, I remember a middle. Was and it he, here? He said, he said like F the Warriors or whatever when he was walking off. Yes, because no game. one has ever said F the Warriors. I know. No one's ever said that. <laughs> but I, I love, that, I love that, that whole thing. Like, oh, we got rid of him. I, I'm just picturing Vivek in a room like, go get me Buddy. Buddy healed. That's who I want. Like, oh, my God. So bad. Why? Like, why? Why can't we have something fun? Why can't we yeah. have the Utah Jazz? I never thought I would ever say that. Why can't we have a team like the Utah Jazz? Just scrappy. Nothing but heart. Going out there playing for Quinn Schneider, whose hair looks one way at the beginning of a game, looks completely different by the end of it. Yep. 
or, you know, guys like Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic and coming back from a 3-1 deficit, I, I, I don't know. True. And then there was even, I think that someone was saying too, when this got brought up again, like, oh yeah, Denver, Denver was floating Murray too at the time. Like, I mean, there's just so like, because I mean, whether people, because people always figured when they got DeMarcus out, they would utilize that Olympian talent. And granted, the Pelicans did prior to him going down, they were playing great and they were ready to sign that extension prior to him going down. So I mean, it was just, you know, a horrible case of luck there, but I mean, um, it was working. He was playing the best basketball possibly of his career when, when he went down, I I remember it against Houston. They, they, they were on a, they were balling. The Pelicans were playing great ball. And this one, I mean, Houston was really, really good at the time. This was a big win for New Orleans. And it was there at the end of that game. DeMarcus going for a ball out of bounds. That was it. That was yeah. it. Um, I mean, and, and had that not have happened, even the narrative they tried to spin would have been completely, you know, if, yeah. if they would have been able to stay with Drew and, and Davis and, and mm-hmm. Cousins as their three. Um, yeah. You know, because people tried to sell, oh, see, it worked in Sacramento's favor because of the injury. Well, yeah, because of the injury. I mean, had had that not have happened, I think you wouldn't have been able to to spin like you could spin. Right, which is fantastic because we always try to find winners and losers in deals, right? Well, this person won it. Well, it's obvious because, you know, the Kings, they obviously won this deal because DeMarcus has been hurt and you've gotten all those out of Buddy Heald. I want to remind you, one, you've gotten nothing but salary cap hell out of Buddy Heald. And now this will segue us nicely into our next topic where we're probably talking about trading Buddy Heald this offseason. So I have, a, I have a theory that might be foreign to some sports fans. There is a possibility that both teams lost the trade. <laughs> like, nobody got anything out of it not the pelicans not the kings and every just everybody just has to walk away like oh yeah buddy got paid that's about it yeah (laughs) he's the the one winner (laughs) buddy won the deal demarcus is the biggest loser of all because of the amount of money that he lost in the whole uh transaction but sure buddy wins he's got the deal and i'll throw this question out to you it's been a topic of conversation at least over the last couple of weeks at least since the king's uh bubble season ended you think he's wearing a Kings uniform next year? See, and that's where I think so much of it depends on who comes in and, and what the control really is. Um, I mean, and this was brought up yesterday. I think, you know, people have been putting out the, the trade scenarios and, you know, I get it just because last season ended up being, you know, the shit show that it ended up turning out to be. Um, between injuries and egos and everything else. Um, If it's truly not salvageable, okay. But I don't make the move just to make the move because a player got butt hurt last, you know, last season. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, I mean, maybe I'm crazy, but his skill set, I still think is coveted, you know, in this league and how it is. and if it's a Walton issue, well, you're going to have the same issue that we were talking about with Malone. I mean, I mean, is, is he 
depending on who's brought in, like, is he going to be here this season? Is he for sure going to be gone next season? Like, I, it's so hard to know without who's coming in, what their vision for this place is. Um, to me, so their track, me, their track record, their track record in drafting. I mean, things like this, where because if you're getting rid of them, I think you're hoping to get a good young player back, probably as well as you know a draft pick or two, depending on if it's this year or next year, or however you do it. Um, but okay, great, you could get all the draft picks you want, but unless you have someone who actually knows how to utilize those draft picks, you're also just giving away an asset for which could be anything. I mean, right. at that point, you, I don't know. And people are saying that this draft, there's a, a lot of names towards the end of it where from like 20 something, you know, through the end of the draft that, and everybody's mock is just could go literally anywhere in that. So, I mean, unless you're really sure of somebody, I, I, I don't know. I, I just, I hate making decisions based on one crazy season from top to bottom that it, that it ended up being. I'd like to one. I, I agree with you. I, my preference would be the general manager comes in without any oversight from whether it's Joe Dumart or without oversight from anybody, like allow him to run the basketball program. Of course, this is all assuming it's not Joe Dumars. Right. Fire Luke Walton, for God's sakes. He's not going to survive this. Like, he's, he's not going to be. Maybe he's the Sacramento Kings head coach next year. But he's not going to be the Sacramento Kings coach the year after that. So, so you're looking at a wasted year. <laughs> so the, Right. That's it. And to, to be fair, full disclosure, I have no problem saying when I was wrong. Maybe my coaching evaluation skills are terrible. I thought Billy Donovan was the problem in Oklahoma City for a number of years. I was clearly dead wrong about that. So maybe I'm dead wrong about Luke Walton's ability to coach. I don't think that I am, but I didn't think I was wrong about Billy Donovan. So there's my little disclosure about how I might be wrong about Luke Walton. But I, I like the idea of a coach coming in because I absolutely feel there is a great place for Buddy Heald in the NBA, a, a role that he would love, a role that he would average 20-plus points per game, a role that he would get his shots up, being invited to the All-Star game, win the three-point contest. Do all of that stuff, but I think you need the right coach to get it out of him. And right now, I don't believe that that coach is Luke Walton. Who is it exactly? I don't know. At least in terms of available coaches, I don't know. Eric Spolster would work. I don't think he's available. Nick Nurse would be great. I don't think he's leaving. Like, there are coaches that I think would work. But with all of that said, we've got to go back to our original introduction point when we were talking about the conversation I had with Jason Jones today on ESPN 1320. This is a long play. So if we're talking, you know, Adam Silver acknowledged recently, I don't know if we've spoken since then, the NBA season's probably not going to start December 1st. And I think when this collective or this, this uh, not collective bargaining agreement, but when this agreement was put into place to do the restart, it was automatically, okay, here's, here's the timeline for free agency. That's already changed. Here's the timeline for the draft. That's already changed. Here's a start date for next season. And immediately it was like, okay, this isn't agreed upon, but we're going to put it out there and it's what we're going to try to work with. And Adam Silver has already said, I don't think that this is going to happen. So we're, dude, it's September 2nd at the time we're recording this. If this is a long play, free agency starts, even with it pushed back in a month and a half, 
if you really, if they pushed it out even further, it's two months away. Draft is two months away. If, if it stays, which they Right, if it stays. It, and it could, yeah. there's, there's no, the point I'm trying to make in this really stupid long-winded way is there's no way that I think all of these events can occur one after the other in terms of the general manager, a potential change in coach, and the deciding what to do with Buddy Heald. Right. I think Buddy Heald is a Sacramento King next year, whether he likes it or not. And I think that Luke Walton is the Sacramento Kings head coach, whether I like it or not. And then the general man, it's a similar situation, I think, to Griff in New Orleans. David Griffin came in. He said, hey, Alvin, you good. Don't worry about it. Like, we got you. I think they even signed him to an extension. Got through the year. You're not going to have to do that with Luke Walton. You signed him to an extension because his contract was running out. Obviously, you're not going to have to do that with Luke. It's a very nice gesture to right. give a coach. But you ultimately saw what happened. The season came to a conclusion, and Alvin Gentry is done. Alvin Gentry, I'm going to venture to guess, Alvin Gentry signed that contract knowing if we fall short, and I'm talking like first round of the playoffs fall short, if we don't advance past that, my job is probably going to somebody else. Like there were people in the league who knew Alvin Gentry's uh, contract extension was a token by David Griffin to get him through this season, and that's ultimately what it was. Again, not a situation that pertains to Luke Walton because when he gets fired after next season, he's still going to get paid for two more years. But I think Luke Walton winds up being the coach and Buddy Heald winds up sticking around and whoever that general manager is, is going to have to figure it out along the way during what is 100%, we know now, going to be some form of abbreviated season. Does that mean right. 40 games, 50 games, 60 games? What exactly does it mean? Denver, December 1st was something that he, he did, he being... Adam Silver did not sound confident about it all, which leads me to believe, because I always thought it started on Christmas. I don't feel like December is the month that Adam Silver is looking at. He might be looking at something at the beginning of January or perhaps even mid-January. And at that point, I think we're talking 50 to 55 games if you really push through it. Yeah. And, and yeah. I don't know how you navigate this if, 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 if you're the Kings. I think the way you do it is you bring the GM in and you just go, okay, you got some time to evaluate it. And, and two, and in the last two seasons, we've seen two completely different systems and two completely different outcomes based on those systems. Yeah. Um, when it comes to, you know, how Buddy Heald fits in that. And so to me, depending on who you bring in, you know, but let's say Maury's fired from Houston after this. If you're bringing in a guy like that who <laughs> his system is shooting three-pointers, like, well, obviously Buddy's going to fit that. I just think on who you bring and then depending on your head coach and how you then see Buddy fitting into that, I think will go a long way. Um, but again, I don't just make the move because of, of a play. we've seen how that's worked out mm -hmm. <laughs> in the past yes. for us when, when we give, you know, that much, you know, power to, you know, to what is what's being said. I mean, the kid just got paid. I know he had an off year and a new coach and he was used a completely different way. Um, but I also am, you know, I'm not convinced that by bringing somebody in, they wouldn't necessarily be able to connect to him and, and the players be able to figure it out. Um, I mean, and now if you bring someone in and they just want to, you know, 
scrap everything and sign a bunch of people or draft a bunch of people that's Fox's age. Okay. Like, you know, that's, that's an option. Um, but again, I still think he's an asset and I don't just take, you know, the first deal that's the deal that's offered or on the table. If I don't think I'm getting, you know, adequate, um, compensation back, sure. you know, player wise or pick wise, because you have him locked up and it's on a good declining deal. I mean, and, and a lot of his is incentive based. So if he doesn't reach up to that, um, you know, he's, he's hurting himself in that sense. Um, but again, I still think any, there's plenty of teams out there that would take him like the Miami heat or something else that could fit him into a system and, and he would be perfectly fine. You brought up Daryl Morey. There's a game seven happening at the time we're recording this. I think I've with the Rockets this year, I've always been of the mindset that, well, we saw it in Philadelphia. I thought there were two teams that were finals or bust. Philadelphia was one. We saw what happened there. Uh, Houston is the other. The difference between Houston and Philadelphia is I'm positive Mike D'Antoni is out if he loses tonight's game. I'm positive Mike Dan. I'm positive Mike D'Antoni is out if he does anything but winds up in the NBA Finals. Yeah. And it appears he very well <laughs> wind up in Indiana. Uh, yep. But the the interesting note of that is the, the assumption that perhaps Daryl Morey is gone as well. Uh, Daryl Morey has you know rolled the dice getting Russell Westbrook in a Houston Rockets uniform, just as he rolled the dice to get Chris Paul in a Houston Rockets uniform. And without Mike D'Antoni, that like I don't know who you can bring in there. He's an analytical guy. He likes to do you know certain things. He likes to put out long extended investigations on referees and different things like that. And it's it's you know he's 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 a unique guy, but he's been to a certain level successful in Houston. Um, is does that name intrigue you at all as a potential Sacramento Kings general manager? Um, yes and no, just because I'm not convinced that he'd be able to to recreate the same thing here that he did in in Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say that as we've seen in the past, how, I mean, the Kings only options of, of acquiring talent are in the draft or via trade. And Maury is very good at that. So, I mean, you know, kudos to him. He does great at that. So that would fit well in Sacramento, that part. Um, and you, we've heard that, you know, Vivek likes um, Hinky, you know, in the sense that he's that kind of, you know, um, not your ex basketball player, but more of the numbers, analytics, you know, mm-hmm. kind of style. Yeah. Um, and that Vivette, you know, he likes they're cut that, from the so. same, they're cut from the same cloth of Daryl Morian. I mean, Pete was that one, you know, in, in a similar background, you know, the right. lawyer, the analytics wise. And then Vladi was kind of a, you know, the, the advisor of the ex, you know, big basketball player role. Um, but otherwise, we've seen him kind of gravitate towards those kind of guys. So I can see uh, in the sense where that would work, I think it would – they'd have to spend more mm-hmm. um, to get him to come to a place like this. If they'd want to do that, I don't know, because um, we've heard various reports on that as well. Um, 
but I mean, he's a respected name. I mean, if you brought him in, he's a respected guy. People are going to answer the phone for him. Like you're, you're not going to have to worry about, you know, the biggest problem that we heard with um, Vladi is that the other general managers respected him for who he was, but they didn't respect him in the position. You wouldn't have that problem with Maury. So, you know, in that sense, I, I would be fine with it. Oh, there goes the dog. (laughs) (laughs) I guess it's time for us to wrap up. Okay. One more, one more thing though. I had fun with this on the radio. I, it felt like a Sacramento Kings thing to point this out. Brett Brown is gone. I don't think he's going to coach next year. Brett Brown, next head coach of the Sacramento Kings. What do you think? You want to get on board with this? Huh? I'd be okay with it. Come on, Jill. See? I'd be okay with it. People said I was crazy. Like, and I'm not saying that's what I'm rooting for. I'm saying I can see that as the type of thing that's happening. I don't know. Like, you know when you're – we evaluate Luke Walton differently than other people might. We evaluated Dave Yeager differently than other people might. We, eva- you, you, we evaluate our, the, the coaches that are here differently than yeah. coaches that are out of the market. And, I mean, Philly was really hard on Brett Brown. Like, it, especially in the recent – oh, last season and a half. Like, they were really, really tough on him. Yeah. But I've always been of the belief – this is a guy that can coach. There's been some big personalities there. Obviously, Jimmy Butler has is, is come through. You know, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, their relationship is what it is. But that's a, that, 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 that was a difficult was, team. He was there through it all. Right. I mean, from the very bottom to this. And he was another guy that dealt with some, you know, significant injuries to, you know, to their key players. But had the ball bounced a different way last year. Oh my I don't gosh. think this would even be, you know, this wouldn't even be a, a discussion. But no, it wouldn't be. They would have been in the finals. Yeah. He, co- he comes from a good background. Like, I mean, yeah. I, 100% I'd rather have him over Luke. But, the, and again, that's just, that's me personally. Um, I would rather have Kenny Atkinson or a guy like Brown, 100%. Well, I can't wait for um, Luke Walton to officially be let go. And I don't, I don't mean that in a mean way. I mean, so Jill can drop a 10-part series on the list of coaches coach. that the Sacramento <laughs> Kings should look at. Uh, before we get out of here, go to manscaped.com. Use the promo code HOOPBALL20. That'll get you 20% off your order and free shipping. Again, go to manscaped.com. Uh, they've got the Lawnmower 3.0. It's fantastic. It works great. It's got an LED light. Uh, Super Smooth presents, uh, prevents any sort of accidents. Just go to manscaped.com, promo code HOOPBALL20. It'll get you 20% off of your order plus free shipping. I know you're cheating on me with another podcast. Do you want to plug that before we go? Yeah, um, it's Hoops and Wine. I love yeah. it. Yes. I love it. But yeah. The other, okay, before we go, the other name I was going to say was now that Houston's gone. Um, and who has interviewed for other positions is the Utah Jazz, um, Justin Zanuck. Okay. Another, I mean, his name hasn't been mentioned, but he's another one that where he interviewed for the uh, Chicago Bulls. It was a VP role, but he's had that where he's been a you know an agent up to the assistant GM, the the GM. Um, but they've kind of you know bred him from bottom up there. Mm. Um, in in Utah, but he is looking to, um, and he's still under 
I think it's Dennis Lindsay over there. Like he's still under him in that because he moved up to VP and so he took that GM role. So I think he is looking to kind of have his own. Yeah. Maybe maybe team, but um, that's another interesting name that um, people might want to pay attention to. The structure of organizations can be fascinating at times because you look and you go, okay, like for example, RC Buford isn't Brent Berry technically above him. Isn't he the vice president of basketball? Yeah. Probably. Yeah. And then you go to New York and everybody's talking about the Knicks and Leon Rose and isn't like worldwide West, like above him, like, like the, 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 the makeups and dynamics, like, it's such a, like, all right, all right. Everybody calm down with all of these titles and see, see what we wind up here. That's what got the Kings in trouble. And some places have like two, three VPs and, Mm -hmm. you know, and then stuff. So it's like how they're, you know, VP, you know, line down fits and how it crosses. And yeah, um, it is an interesting thing. So, but yeah, those are two guys that were, if Houston ends up losing that, those are two teams that, you know, are out that people thought might've done better. Mm -hmm. And, and at least with Justin, you've seen him interview elsewhere. So people are interested. Yeah. What's the call? Well, we've got basketball to go watch tonight, Jill. It's been fun. Uh, Subscribe to the show, rate the show, review the show, tell Jill how amazing she is. What an incredible addition she is to this podcast. Again, just search us in whatever your favorite podcast platform is. Search Hoops and Wine. Follow on Twitter at Jill Edge, at Damian Barling. We'll be back next Wednesday. Yes. All right. Thanks, everybody. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.